besides your your building opening, it's been a minute since I've been here. A lot has happened in my life. Um, I was here uh, a couple years after, or a year or so after we launched our ministry called Leading Second. You ripped off my graphics, by the way. Uh, it's all right. It's all good. It's by permission. Um, but uh, since then, uh, I guess we all went through a little bit of something in 2020, I guess. Um, and uh, I went from traveling, Pastor Justin, went from traveling like 250, 275 days a year to staying home for seven months. And I don't know what happened, but we got pregnant at 40 uh, with an unexpected baby during a pandemic. Uh, so my family is, uh, has grown since the last time I was here. In fact, I think we might have a picture of my family. That is my family about a year ago, actually. Um, that is at our, uh, that's at our conference event we did last year for Leading Second. And so our toddler's just, just way bigger than that now. So uh, I don't know which is more of a challenge, having a crazy toddler or a moody teenager. And so I just wanted to submit to you today, if you're looking for someone in your prayer and your fasting this year, you're looking for someone to pray for, would you just sign us up? Uh, because that's the mode that we're in. It's whiplash in our family. Um, but God's been so good, and my wife, Lindsay, says, says hello. Uh, we do lead a ministry called Leading Second. I, I've been a part of the same church my whole life. And your pastor's pastor is, is my pastor that I've grown up under. And I love the house so much. I love what God does in the house so much. I guess I'm the product of what happens when you grow up in church and you just say yes to everything. You know, I just never, ne I just always had a yes in my heart for what God wanted to do. And that has just, it sent us around the world. It has, uh, God has sent us on a mission the last 11 years to equip local churches outside of our house. And Leading Second is one of the ways that we're doing that. So uh, thank you for your partnership. Uh, you all have sown into our ministry. You've invested. You've cheered us on. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And uh, any fruit that we have, uh, you know, just in another way, velocity as kingdom fruit out there in the way that we're trying to equip leaders. Amen? Okay, so we have been in a series, or started a series last week called Leading Second. Turn in your Bibles today, if you would. We're going to be in, let's see, we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be in 1 Peter 4, and we're going to be in Hebrews 11. How about that? If you're behind on your Bible reading plan, we're going to get you caught up this morning. It's going to be all good. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. And I want to share with you just some revelation God has given me that has meant so much to me in my life. We, we've been in this series called Leading Second. We're talking about the idea uh, that we follow first and we lead second. And this idea that everyone is, we're first of all followers of Christ. And I'm going to show you that again today through another lens. But today I want to flip the script. And I want to talk about leadership for a minute. And my goal is to offer you a new view of leadership through the lens of the Bible. Now, you might be saying, well, I'm not a leader, so whew, I guess I'm off the hook for today. Like, don't go anywhere. God's got something for you in this message that I want you to see. I firmly believe that the greatest need in the local church today is leadership. Godly, integrous leadership throughout the congregation. 
I, I think the greatest need in our world right now is godly leadership. The problem is, though, that most people don't see themselves as leaders. Most people opt out of this one. And today, I hope by the word of God, and by God's spirit, I hope to awaken something in you. That you would see yourself the way that God sees you. That you would see how God has positioned you for greater impact than you ever realized. That there's ministry, there's purpose on the inside of you. In fact, today, I'm going to borrow a title from my pastor. I'm going to call us today to live like leaders. To live like leaders. Of all, all the words the Bible uses to describe believers, normal is not one of them. Think about it. Think about how you're, you're called in Scripture. You're called salt, light, the chosen, the elect. Just think about it. You, of, of all the words the Bible uses to describe the church, normal is not one of them. It says in Daniel chapter 6 that Daniel distinguished himself. There is distinction on your life as a believer. There was nothing about Jesus that was normal. People didn't come from miles around to hear Jesus teach because he was normal. So there's distinction on your life. There is leadership on your life. I just wonder if you see the distinction that is yours in Christ. So when I say live like leaders, I just want you to realize we're standing on a good foundation today because we're called as God's people to lead in culture. But let's, let's start today by talking about the challenges to this message. I was thinking, okay, what challenges am I up against today when I bring this thought that, that everyone's a leader and that we're called to live like leaders? The first challenge is this, that we often view leadership through the lens of the heroic. We view leadership as heroic. Leadership in Hollywood is framed like Braveheart, right? Like, like the, 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 the leader who leads the charge into battle. News frames leadership through the lens of the heroic. You know, the politician introducing the new bill that's going to save everyone's life or the CEO leading the, the company through a challenging time. Like leadership, if we think about it, it's always referred to as the person on the top doing something heroic. The problem is that's not what leadership is. That is one lens of leadership. But we default there. And we say, well, that's not me. I would argue that leadership is far more normal than that. Think of the mom who gets up early in the morning to get her workout in so she can be healthy, you know, so she can you know, get up, be healthy before her kids get up so she can start the day with them full of life. By the way, that's my wife. She doesn't do that every day, but she, like, that, that's how she wants to start her day. What, what, that's leadership. That's a mom going, you know, I want to be there for my kids today. I, I, I want to show up in their lives today in a way that's faith-filled. That's leadership. It's the coworker who slides over to help on a project that doesn't have their name on it. But they just care to see the project go forward and the mission advanced and what they're a part of. That's leadership. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this. It's the next door neighbor that we have who, when we're out of town, 
He sees our Amazon packages on the front porch and goes over and just grabs them so that no one comes through and takes them. Anyone else have that problem in their neighborhood right now? You know, just just goes over and takes them and texts us and said, hey, I grabbed your packages. Let me know when you want me to bring them over. That's leadership. It's way more normal than we think. It's walking into a room and taking the initiative to meet a need. That is what leadership is. Just showing up for somebody. And in the church, imagine if everyone in the church lived like leaders. Imagine if everyone in the church took up what was theirs in Christ to do. Imagine the potency and power of the church. Leadership can happen in an instant. It can happen in a moment. It happens certainly by position, but it certainly happens by those who have no position. Leadership is not about genius. Leadership is not about charisma. Leadership is not about having good hair or good clothes or looking the parts. Leadership is not about having a position or a title. Leadership can happen anywhere by anyone who walks in and sees a need and meets it. That's leadership. I am the, you guys, I'm the least likely person to teach on leadership. I'm the least likely my, past, my own pastor got up at my own conference last year and told the group that, by the way. Uh, I, was, I was like, thank you, pastor, for that. Like, like I, was, I didn't grow up in a ministry family. You know, I, had, I, I grew up in church, but I didn't grow up um, around leadership culture. I didn't grow up reading leadership books. Like, I was, I was just the kid in church who loved the house of God. My personality isn't always wired to lead. I haven't always had the resources to lead. Like I'm I'm the least likely people per person to do it, but I just realized along the way that we framed it wrong. Leadership is not about the heroic. Leadership can happen every day any day by anyone. I'll say this, John Maxwell says that 90% or 99% of all leadership in a group or an organization comes from the middle, not from the top. Think about this one. Most people will not spend their lives leading at the top. Most pe people don't spend their lives as CEO. This is where I got the concept of leading second. Most people will not spend their lives leading as the CEO of the company or pastor the church or lead the team. Most of us, if you add it up, most of us will lead from the middle. Most of us will spend our lives serving someone else's vision. In the church, we, we, of course, follow Christ, but we also follow what the Bible refers to as under-shepherds, as pastors, as those, as those entrusted with a specific work of God in a specific city. Like most of us will spend our lives in church holding up the vision and arms of, of pastors that God has placed over us. So if we're going to spend our lives leaning from the middle, don't you think we ought to get it right? Don't you think we ought to see ourselves as God? So I would argue the first challenge to this is that we view it through the heroic. The second challenge we have is this, that we live in a day where leadership is being negatively defined. <laughs> Can we talk this morning? I'm sorry, I'm going to press your buttons here for a minute, but we're living in a culture right now that is working overtime to paint leaders as oppressors. And it's because our world right now is seeing systems, not sin. 
like the root of all evil in the world isn't sin nature anymore. It's like systems. And so therefore, those at the top of the systems are the evil ones. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm pushing your buttons this morning. But first of all, you won't find that in the word of God. And you'll actually find very clear instructions of us toward our leaders to support them, to pray for them, to live under godly authority in our lives. This has given way to the self-care generation of millennials and Gen Z. The great resignation, quiet quitting, doing the bare minimum at work. Just think of how this is working itself out right now. The degrading of leadership. The degrading of hard work. The degrading of taking initiative. Like, what if this church, what if Velocity Church walked in every Sunday and said, I'm going to do the bare minimum today? What if we quiet quit in church? What kind of church would we have? But think about if this church flipped the script because leadership can happen anywhere by anyone. Think about if this church showed up today and said, I'm going to live like a leader today. I'm going to look around this room. Who needs connecting today? Who needs help today? Who needs service today? What needs does this, have, does this house have Pastor Justin that we can meet today? What if this church clicked over into this and we're going to live like leaders? We're going to reject the world's view of leadership and we're going to take on a biblical view of leadership. Imagine how potent and powerful this house could be for the cause of Christ. So we had to push back on this thing a little bit. That in this house, no, 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 we're, it's kingdom culture here. We're going to live like leaders. We're going to take initiative. We're going to meet needs. And through that, I believe we'll see God's kingdom come and his will be done. Okay, let me offer you this. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to share with you a verse that has meant so much to me. I could preach the whole time just on this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 in the New King James. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing to a church that he founded. And he says this, he's talking about leadership. He says this, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Servants of Christ, look at it, and stewards of the mysteries of God. And then he goes on to say, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Okay, I want to highlight a couple words here. <clears throat> you can just keep that up. I want you to see servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Servants and stewards. I want to offer this to you today as a biblical lens for leadership. Paul is saying, let a, let a man so consider us as leaders, God, as teachers. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay, let's unpack this for a minute. What is Paul saying? First of all, the word for servants that he used in the original language, in the Greek, he, he would have had a number of words available to him to use ser for servant. The word he chose is a word that means a free man or a free woman who voluntarily makes themselves low to kind of row the ship. In other words, this, this word of servant, this is not a slave. 
This is not someone who's forced to do something or, or, or indentured. So this is a servant, a free man who voluntarily makes themselves low as an under rower of the ship. First of all, isn't that a beautiful picture of like our relationship with Christ? Free men. Free women who voluntarily make ourselves low to see to it that the kingdom moves forward on our watch. Like we're under rowers. We're, we're like the ones who we pick up a towel, we pick up a basin, like we, get, we wash feet. That's what we do. We serve. We're, we're, we're servants of Christ. The pandemic did us such a disservice because it, all, it got us all focused on ourselves. You, you stay home. You stay safe. Hey, I, I get it. We, we, every, we, we were all in the same boat in 2020. But, and, it, and it was a moment. I'm just calling us out of that place. Out of that place of self-interest and self-protection. I'm calling us back to our place of kingdom service and saying, no, we are servants of Christ. We voluntarily make ourselves low to serve the needs of, un- of others. We're created to do good work, servants of Christ. But here's what I find interesting, is that he doesn't stop there. That's not the only definition of leadership he gives. Isn't that interesting? Because it feels like that could be enough. But he doesn't stop there. We're servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So what's a steward? We don't use that word very much. So what's a steward? While a servant was an under rower, a steward was an under leader. A steward was someone who was put in charge of a house on the master's behalf. This is a picture of the church. Our master, King Jesus, he's away. And while the master is away, we have been placed in charge of the house while he's away. And what stewards would do is they would look after the household budget. They would look after the household staff, the household task. In other words, they were leaders. To the master, the steward was a servant. But to the other servants, the steward was a master. He was leading from the second chair. He was leading second. He was leading under the authority of the master. And when I saw this, this is what got me about the idea of leading second, I started realizing, I wonder if we see that. I wonder if we see that we're not just called to serve Christ. Yes, that's our starting point. That's certainly the foundation that we build on, but we're also called to lead. We're also called to steward because think about this. Stewards don't just serve, stewards advance. Stewards multiply. Matthew 25, parable of the talents. The servants were entrusted with something, but when the master returned, He asked them, what did you do with what I gave you to do? And the ones that were rewarded were the ones that moved the thing forward. The ones that were rewarded were the ones that took one and made or two and made it four, five and made it ten. And they graduated from service to stewardship. Do you see where I'm going with this today? In, In other words, they were all given something. And they were asked by the master at one point, what did you do? with what I gave you to do. Let me say it like this. There's a difference between renting something and owning something. Ever think about that? Last year, 2021, we had a baby <laughs> because we were wild and reckless during a pandemic. 
baby at 40. My wife said, um, we, we, had, we had one shared car at the time because we lived on the road, and she was like, I need a proper mom car. I said, yes, ma'am. So I went out and I bought us a new car before our baby arrived. I, lo I love that car. It's a great car. Got us some more space. I kind of got the opportunity you don't get very often. I got to drive a new car off the lot, right? Like new smell. You know, it was awesome. And, and I, I, I love that car. I take care of that car. Like I'm the guy with the unlimited monthly car wash membership on the new car. I'm the guy who's going to vacuum the trunk, right? I'm the guy who... Is, you know, you don't eat in dad's car. There's food rules. There's drink rules. There's, you know, there's, there's etiquette to this car. Okay, why am I like that? Why am I like that? It's mine. I own it. I have to pay for that sucker. You know? Sorry, no, no, no mashed up goldfish crackers in dad's car. Sorry. Like, like, like th that's not happening here. Why? Because it's mine. Like, I'm proud of it. I want my family to get into a nice environment. Like, I own it. It's mine. Okay, I have a rental car out in the parking lot this morning. I could care less about that car. <laughs> I will take a pothole at 100 miles an hour in that car and not care a rip about it. <laughs> Why? Why? It's not mine. If it gets damaged, it's budget's problem. They can deal with it. Somebody else can fix it. Somebody else can take care of it. I'll return that thing with trash in it. With you know, I'm I'm, I'm joking. I'm I'm kind to the people, but you get my point. There's a difference between renting something and owning it. I guess my question for you, as stewards of the mysteries of God, my question for you is: Are you renting the vision of this house, or do you own the vision of this house? Because stewards are owners. But think about it. Stewards are owners of property that is actually not theirs. Stewards own. Ever walked into a business and felt like you met the owner even though you didn't? It's because you met someone that had an ownership spirit. You met someone that, that carried that thing so deeply within them. We're servants of Christ, but we're so much more than that. We are, we are stewards we are stewards of the mysteries of God. I guess, you know, for the last 2,000 years, this thing has been advancing. This thing has been moving forward through every corner of the world, and I kind of view it like now it's here on our watch. Now it's here in our hands, and I just wonder, Velocity Church, as stewards, are you going to be faithful to move forward on your watch what God has entrusted to you? Because that's leadership. It's stewardship. The the misnomer of leadership is that we think it's a gifting for those on the top rather than a grace for every believer. I believe leadership is something that can happen anywhere by anyone in the house. Let me show you this in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Watch it as good stewards of God's varied grace. Isn't that beautiful when the Bible proves your point for you? <laughs> That's a joke. You shouldn't do that. You should let the Bible tell you what you believe, not you. Okay, anyways, we'll move on. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. Yeah, I guess here's my lens of leadership for you in the kingdom. That we're called to serve Christ. We're called to be good stewards of everything he's entrusted to us. And then that verse in 1 Corinthians end by saying this, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Like our goal, our target is to be found faithful in the sight of God with what he has given us to do. This thing is not about building a big church. It's not about building a cool church. It's not about building an Instagrammable church. All of those things are tools, and they're fine in their place. Our ultimate goal is to build a faithful church. A confused world needs a faithful church. A confused world needs a powerful church. A, a confused world needs a church that Jesus would look at and say, Well done, Velocity. Well done. You did everything I asked you to do. Servants of Christ. Do you get this today? Servants of Christ and stewards, leaders, stewards of the mysteries of God. Can I show you one more thing this morning? Are, are we good? Like, is your crock pot on? For, like, are you good? Like, it's not going to burn the house down, I promise. Like, we'll just ha hang out for a minute here. Um, I want to read you something in Hebrews chapter 11. Little intense, okay? Bible's not always pretty. Can I just warn you? This is the content here is not appropriate for all ages. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. This is Bible, but you're going to see where we're going here in a minute. I, I, I want to show you something, though. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. The author, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but the author says this. What more shall I say? This is, this is following the hall of faith. You know, the listing of the heroes of Scripture. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Remember, leadership can happen by anyone, anywhere. <laughs> they shut the mouths of lions. Quench the fury of the flames and escape the edge of the sword. Whose weakness turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging even chains and imprisonment. This is our heritage, by the way. For the last 2,000 years, this is what the most selfless men and women who have ever walked planet Earth have been doing to see to it that the church move forward on their watch. They face jeers and flogging, and chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Look at what it says here in verse 37. The world, is it up there? The world was not worthy of them. Think about that for a minute. I, I read that the other day, and it, it, I got froze. Our heritage in the kingdom of God is those that had a faith that was so deep and, 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 and so eternal, like the world was not worthy of them. They 
saw to it that while this thing is on my watch, I'm going to do whatever I have to do as a, as a steward of the mysteries of God. Maybe they didn't have those words, but they certainly had that spirit. Like, as long as this thing is on my watch, I'm going to do everything I can to see to it that I am found faithful, to see to it that this thing moves forward on my watch. This is our heritage. This is what we inherit in the kingdom of God. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, holes in the ground. But I want you to see now verse 39. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. They didn't know Christ. None of them received what had been promised. God had something better planned for us. So that only together with us in Christ would, would they be made perfect. In other words, what the writer is saying is, is we know Jesus. And Jesus is better. And the church is here. And the church is alive. And all of this has been prelude to this moment. All of this has just been prelude to seeing the church established and Christ proclaimed and the world turned upside down by the gospel. Like, this is what the whole thing has been building toward. Of the world knowing that Jesus is alive. Well, I did some thinking because I, I, I love this passage. I love the hall of faith. I love the thought the world was not worthy of their faith. The world was not worthy of them. But then I got thinking, what about the early church? So... If that's all Old Testament, like if we were to write a hall of faith of the early church, what would it look like? I mean, there's certain names that we know that get a lot of credit. Peter preached the first sermon, you know. Paul traveled everywhere to plant churches. You know, John wrote the book of Revelation. I mean, there's certain leaders at the top that were heroic, that do deserve the honor given to them. But I started thinking, what about the rest? What would the hall of faith look like in the early church? So I did a little research for us. I found out that there are roughly 120 named individuals or households in the New Testament that were a part of the early church. Now, the early church in the first century numbered in the thousands if not the tens of thousands. But through the various letters in the book of Acts and the various letters from Paul and the apostles, there are about 120 people named in Scripture. I did some research on every single one of them. Most of them, we don't know much about them. We don't know who they were more than their name, but we know that they were faithful because they ended up in Scripture. You know, of all the people Paul could call out, he called out these people as being faithful. I just want you to see this. I, I read the other day about a woman named in the book of Romans called Phoebe. Have you ever heard a sermon preached on Phoebe? I, I highly doubt you have. Phoebe, she's described as a sister, as a deacon, and a patron, a, a financial supporter. She's credited with taking the journey at personal expense to deliver the book of Romans to Rome. A danger, cost to herself. Think about it. This, this businesswoman in the church 
who just said, I'm going to see to it that I do everything I can to move this thing forward on my watch. See, she was a servant of Christ, and she was a steward of the mysteries of God. It cost her a lot, weeks on the road, but she's credited with delivering probably the crown jewel of Paul's writings to an important city. There's five other men that are credited with being couriers of other books of the New Testament. There's a man called Epinetus. I'm going to really butcher names here. This is terrible. You know what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to act like you're confident, like you know how to say these things. But he was the first, con- he was the first Christian convert in Asia. Come on, live like leaders. Can you imagine being the first Christian convert for a continent? <laughs> You've never heard a sermon on him. Yet think about it. Any church in Asia now. He was the first convert. Imagine how he had to live like a leader. There's Archippus. He was kind of a campus pastor at the church in Colossae. Epaphras was in prison with Paul. He eventually planted a church but was eventually martyred. There's Lydia. Lydia, who was a businesswoman again, who was converted to Christianity as a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew. Uh, Said she was a dealer in purple cloth. She was probably quite wealthy. And she hosted Paul and Silas in in her home on one of their ministries. Are you getting the point here? For all the names and lights that we know and who deserve all the honor, there were hundreds or thousands standing behind them doing everything they could to see the early church move forward because God had something better prepared for us. Come on, Velocity Church. What if we just took up our mandate? We, we, are, we are servants of Christ, and we are stewards. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. Would you stand to your